This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance Podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance Podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. Today's podcast episode is my interview on the Money with a Mission podcast with Dr. Felicia Froh. We discuss goals of physician ownership of healthcare properties, considerations for owning and operating a property, as well as exit strategies. Okay, you guys. Um, hi, Tricia. So happy to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you, Felicia. We had a, Trisha and I had a little hiccup. We were scheduled before I was sick. She was gracious enough to come back today. So I really, really appreciate it. And I find that so many people are just that gracious. We all realize that life just doesn't go like we want it to go. <laughs> we're all human. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sometimes we wish we weren't, but it, it does happen that way. So Trisha, um, thank you so much. Trisha's company's doc properties, like we talked about in the intro, but that's not is you started with a commercial, but you had some um, um, education in real estate before you went into commercial. Talk to us about how you got to where you are today. Sure. So going way, way back to my introduction into real estate, my my mother and my aunts, they they had a real residential real estate company, and then um, you know they had some rentals that they did. Uh, I was not attracted to residential real estate. Uh, for a variety of reasons, but I, I thought um, negotiating or losing deals over refrigerators and dishwashers was not necessarily going to bring me joy. So I, um, when I decided to get into real estate, I went into the commercial side and I got into it. Um, I was finishing up my MBA and um, was do, I did a, like a market research for a new, new medical office building for a, a medical office developer a market research paper. And so I finished that and then they had an opening in their leasing department. So I started there, did that for a couple of years and then went into third-party brokerage, still all uh, focused on healthcare, real estate, um, and, and did a ton of leasing in my early, early career and moved into investment sales from there. And then you know, just with my relationships with the variety of physicians and then getting referrals from them. Uh, you know, I, I work in a lot of physician owned real estate and selling that to investors um, in the, in the medical office, healthcare, so you, real estate. You made that office. sound like it happened all in a, like a year. Oh, well, no, no. This is, yeah, no, this, so. <laughs> is 20 years, this is 20 years of, of, uh, of a lot of uh, deals and, and, uh, and uh, you know, challenges and, and successes all rolled into one and, and learning from them. So it sounds like though, the very first lesson you learned wasn't a lesson you had to learn personally. You learned it through your mother and your aunt about not wanting to do residential. Were they, were they investing and owning and managing or were they doing this, doing the um, real estate sales? 
So they did the the transactions um, and then they they did hire somebody to do management. I think they were doing it on their own and then they they partnered with somebody um, to offer management as well. And then they did do their own like they they would they had houses that they rented. So I, I talk to so many physicians who when they start thinking about I'm going to get into real estate, they talk about I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to rent it out. And I know a few who've done that. And within a year to two years. They're, they're like, uh, this is nickel and dimes and I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore, especially when they learn more about commercial side. So how do you, how do you talk to people? Do you ever talk to physicians who are saying, I want to buy real estate and talk about single family houses or all the ones that get to you are already looking at commercial and buying something? Oh, I, I get into all sorts of conversations. I get into <laughs> marriages, divorces, children, yeah, everything. So, um, <laughs> so um, So, you know, there's, I think it depends on what you want. And, and then obviously your access to capital is is another, you know, big thing, but there are some that, um, you know, I know invest in multifamily. There are some that stay in the residential um, field. And, you know, I think it depends on how much time and what they have set up in like standard processes. Like I, I went to a talk of a, of, um, of a physician who invested in an apartments and he specifically invested in apartments that were between his home and the hospital where he, where he practiced. And so okay. that he go, so in his early days, he, you know, before everybody paid electronically, he would go, if somebody was late, he would pick up their, you know, go and, and pick up their check. Um, and then if somebody's like refrigerator broke, he had the, he had, you know, a number, he had a list of numbers for all of his tenants and, you know, they would call this handyman service that he are, he employed. And then the handyman would have a workbook of, you know, say the refrigerator broke down, he would say, okay, you can go to these stores and pick out, um, he's already picked out three different refrigerators that he's already pre-approved. They had his credit card on file, they would charge it and, you know, and all of that. So that's super structured and, and you can do anything if you want to structure it like that. Um, but you know, not, I don't know, um, you know, in, in, in doing that, I think the biggest thing that anyone needs to decide, you know, in physicians, especially because their day job is so typically intense scheduled. And, um, you know, I think when you're done working your day job as a physician, having to go and then spend, you know, several hours doing a second job of real estate investing, I think it's a lot, you know, if yeah. you're single, that might be fine for you. Um, but even if you have a real estate background, I think, you know, hiring professionals that can deal with the things during the day, um, you know, and then maybe email you some decision points that you need to make as the owner, but, and, and this doesn't, you know, it's, it's independent of asset class. It's just, do I, how do I want to, how involved do I want to be? And do I want to hire professionals, um, you know, that can take care of this during the day? Because, you know, inevitably, you know, vendors, the real estate vendors, they, they, you know, start sometimes at six in the morning. So they'll be done at three yeah. and they, they're never, they, they can't necessarily always commit to a time because, you know, they get stuck on a job solving a problem that, you know, isn't going their way. And sometimes they have to cancel and then come the next day. So, 
you know, if you have a buffer between, you know, you being an owner, you know, and hiring a, a prof- professional property manager, you know, or handyman or whatever you have, have these things where you're not, it doesn't, there's a buffer between you being bothered in your day job in order, in order to have income producing real estate. And I think, um, yeah, what you're saying is perfect because I, I think that many of us don't think that's going to be a big deal, but that becomes even managing a manager becomes a lot. And when you look at even from, even if you have, let's say you have 10 single families, the income from that at plus at look at the headache compared to the income, it may not be worth it for you. So it's really something to look at. Plus the idea that what you talked about is having to get all the processes in place, even to manage a manager. So those things, it's very, very important. As physicians, we can be that picky and we can be that detailed sometimes. We do it all the time in our practice and our work, but to do it for something else, I'm just going to say, I I would go with something else, bottom line. I don't know that I would go with a bunch of single families. I still have four. I still have four single families. I do. And sometimes it's a pain in the neck. I just don't want to sell them for some reason. But if you're starting out, I would start somewhere else. So let's let's say you're um, you have your own practice. So I've, I used to work at a I was employed physician. My last group was an employed physician. I have owned a building that I worked in too. So I've done both of those types of things. But let's say they're private. We got private practice folks out there who are renting space and never really thought about real estate or thought or thinking about real estate, but don't think about it the way I think that you really would help them think about it in a better way. So talk about doc properties and in your company. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I sell a lot of physician owned real estate and I get it in a variety of um, conditions. And so sometimes it's a physician that says, Hey, you know, I, I've owned this for a while. I want to know what the value is. And um, you know, I have 10, 12 years left to practice. And what do I do with this property? Um, Sometimes they just come to me saying, here's my property, tell me the value and tell me how I need to fix it. So I, with a lot of physician to own real estate that hasn't had a a lot of structure in it. um, Sometimes there's leases in place. A lot of times they are, they've expired and they're month to month. Sometimes there's other tenants that aren't paying market rent and they're on month to month. Um, There's some deferred maintenance because, you know, sometimes in these cases, like a few partners will get together and they don't want to pay the management fee. So somebody raises their hand that they'll do it, but you know, they just the bandwidth to deal with all of this, you know, they'd rather, you know, at the end of the day, they're, 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 you know, they're human, they're exhausted and they don't want to go and, you know, worry about the HVAC system unless it breaks and then it's a fire and then they have to get called out and then, you know, it's, it's a mess. So um, Sounds like you've had some experience with that. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, uh, so, so when I, I talk to them, you know, I, I, I get their information and, and sort of take a look at it. And then I, I give them, um, you know, depending on the leases that they have in place, it can sometimes be a short-term fix or sometimes it's a long-term fix where they have to wait for tenants to expire. But the goal is to put a building on the market, um, you know, it's maximum value. I mean, medical buildings are, I find interesting and unique because the value of the building is the tenants inside of it. Yes. Um, because other, I mean, and 
it's the same with all income producing real estate, but in particular, the, the, the provider, the investors that are looking at this asset class, they're looking for, I mean, there are kind of local regional guys and gals that will purchase something with five years left on the lease, but typically the national, um, buyers, the, the REITs, um, private equity, they're looking for, you know, as close to 10 years, if not, sometimes they ask for longer, but, you know, 10 years left on the lease. So if you're a physician and you're like, you know, I've got 12 years left at the end, um, you know, I would like the capital out of my building now um, so that I can do other things in it and they can invest in other um, asset classes. They can do passive investments into other real estate funds, either private or public uh, REITs and, um, you know, do a variety of different things. And then at the end of the, you know, they sign a 10 year lease and in 10 years when they're done practicing, they don't, they don't have to worry about selling the building they don't have to worry about finding a tenant to put in it in order to get the maximum value. So that's a, a sale lease back. Um, opportunity that I, that a lot of physicians um, do like to do. So you're you know, talking about, let's, let me just wrap that around. Yeah. So you're talking, if someone comes to you already owning their building, they may have other people in their building that they're leasing to also, they may be the sole tenant in that building, whatever. Okay. So this person's been um, in practice for however many years, so say 10 years, and they, they like what you're saying, they're in a practice. I know I want to practice for another 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. However, I want to also pull the income, pull the um, equity out of this building <clears throat> or not, it's not even pulling the equity out. So they could pull the equity out by refinance, but they could also sell the building, which makes it attractive for investors at that point, because they're right. going to still be a tenant in that building. Mm-hmm. So that makes it even an easier sell at that point, as opposed to if it's, if they're the only tenant, now they're done practicing the end of their life, end of their medical life, let's say, now they're trying to sell this building. That's a little harder sell potentially, especially to investors, or you might have to sell it to another medical group because of the upgrades and things we had to do in our medical practice buildings. Is that where you're yeah. So, I mean, when you're, when you're done practicing and, you know, say, Hey, okay, I'm, I'm done. And you move out, you have to, you have to, then you, you know, you have to find a tenant to backfill that space. There's tenant improvements involved in that. It's a, now it's a 10 year old space or even older, depending on, you know, when you've originally built it out or the condition, um, you know, if ADA requirements are changing all the time, so you may have to do some uh, unexpected capital improvements. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, you, you can put a, you hope that you get a tenant in there that will sign, you know, a long-term lease, but typically if it's second generation, they're going to push back and only want to do about five years. So the, that, the most value, if you're a physician owning a building that you practice in, the maximum value you can get out of the building is to sign a 10-year lease yourself, get everybody else on as long a lease as possible and sell the building then and get, get the proceeds and then go and redeploy that capital in other places. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. What if you're um, you're out, you're practicing and you're renting and you're like, this just makes no sense to me. Kind of like you're renting your apartment. You're like, this makes no sense to me. How do we, how do we get into um, a building? Do we build? Do we buy something already there? How does that, what do you, what do you kind of recommend? And I know it depends. So yeah, no, no, that's, so, so first I, I recommend having some runway. So before your lease ends, and I would say at least three years, just if, if you're considering developing, um, 
or if you don't know what the inventory is, you know, at least you can do kind of a gauge at three years. And then, you know, if you're like, no, I don't want to build. So I'm just going to buy. And then, you know, maybe you, you revisit it another year, but you need to have runway. The worst thing to do with, with any real estate, but especially commercial real estate is to have to be forced into a reactive decision rather than proactive, because it typically will cost a lot of money and you're not going to get what you want. Right. Um, so if you do it on a proactive way, one, you have the negotiating ability to just walk away from deals if they don't end up um, going the way you want. Yes. Instead of having to live with a term that you find incredibly uncomfortable. Yes. So, you know, I, I and knowing maybe how big of a building you're looking for, if you're looking to have a, a space for your practice, maybe with some expansion or if you're looking to occupy some of it and then have tenants as well. So kind of knowing what you're looking for, which obviously, you know, you have to know how much capital you have to work with because you need to have some sort of budget. Now, there are a lot of capital sources, a lot of joint venture partners in the healthcare asset class that would, mm-hmm. that specifically focus on partnering with physicians because they know that they have to have a place to practice. They have to have a place for patients to come in They're, I mean, telemedicine, <clears throat> I think, I think gained a lot of traction in COVID, um, <clears throat> but it can only take you so far. You still have to examine patients in person for a lot of conditions. Um, you have to, you know, you can't perform surgery over telemedicine. So those have to be done still in, um, not yet. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but for procedures and, um, and for physical examinations, it has to happen inside of a space. Um, and so that is why it's attractive to certain investors that, that focus on, on the space. So are you looking at, are you doing, um, office space, ambulatory surgical space, hospitals, all of them. What's your, you have a specialty in there? So medical office buildings, urgent care centers, surgery centers. That's kind of where I I live um, for the most part. Okay. Okay. And you said before we got on the call, on the, on the interview, you talked about that you were very, very busy. What's going on? What's keeping you so busy? People selling by, I'm sure all of it, but what's, what's happening? Well, a lot of people are selling, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of private equity money in the market that is, um, you know, buying practices and it makes them, so then, you know, they're trying to figure out what they, what they need to do with their real estate. Um, and they're, you know, we are at the top of a market, um, and everyone's expecting, I think a recession of some, of some sort. So, you know, in, even though healthcare real estate is recession resilient, it will get affected, you know, yeah. slightly. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's the, you know, right now we're at the top of the market. So if you, have you've ever con- contemplated selling a building now would be the time, um, you know, it'll come back around, but you know, if in the next 24, 36 months, you're like, you know, I do want to make a change of some sort right now would be a good time to consider getting your property evaluated and finding how much it's worth and kind of making those decisions. So do you work with physicians who like already have their, their set as far as their building or they're practicing and all that kind of stuff, but they want to invest in healthcare real estate because they know doctors tend to pay their rent. They know that this is not going to go away. We always need it. I was always going to ask you this. Are people buying smaller places because they're 
seeing less patients in the office now, or is that even a thing? Um, I haven't seen that. Um, I haven't seen that yet. I, cause I, I think the single practitioner model is not incredibly common. Typically a group and a partnership just for coverage purposes. Yeah. Um, because you're one person. And, uh, so, so I have actually seen, I mean, I think when I first got into this, the, you know, 1500 square feet for a single practitioner, I would do a couple of those, but now it, I, I, I think all of those guys have been purchased or employed. Are you, and you, what you're in um, Arizona, Scottsdale, right. right? Okay. And you don't, do you um, consult in any other part of the country or everything's in Arizona for you? So I do, I do, I represent, I represent owners um, and uh, clients that have properties across the country. And I have a broker network for the local um, municipalities that I've done a lot of deals with and they're, they're great and know what they're doing. Um, So I, I do like I help, I help create a strategy and then I uh, work with local brokers to transact. Got it. Now I was starting to ask a question and I shifted. I'm going to go back because I still do want to answer that and shoot this one out of my head. Oh, investors. So if I, I, we have a lot of investors that listen to this who may be interested in investing in healthcare um, buildings, medical managed buildings or medically occupied buildings do you have a place for them to come to, to have be on a list and say, Hey, if you've got somebody who wants to buy something and you talked about, there's lots of private equity in the, in the stream right now, how do they, how can they get involved in this? They don't, they don't necessarily want to practice in the building themselves, but they'd be happy to help somebody else get into a building and take a part of that for their own investment portfolio. So that's coming with me um, next year. Um, because I've had several requests for that. So, you know, it's called passive investing. They don't necessarily want to be active or they don't want to occupy it. Okay. So, um, so that's coming next year. In the meantime, you know, if they do have um, some of that interest, I can point them in some directions. Okay, perfect. So in about a year, you will be able to, or not, not even a year, six months, some, <laughs> sometime in the very near future, because Right. This is what I'm realizing. I was today. Okay. I got five minutes. I can get this done before I take off. And the next thing I know it's 10 minutes have gone by. So there you go. Time's just going fast for me. And I think for other people too. So in the near future, you will, you will have the ability to help people, passive investors invest in the medical space. Correct. Um, And we're going to tell you guys how to find out about that and how to be on the list and know when that's going to happen here in just a few minutes. Um, you have a network of people so that if somebody lives in North Carolina and has a building they want to sell or they want to buy, they can still contact you and you can help them with that mm-hmm. in some capacity. Yes. And yep. I've just picked North Carolina because I happen to know a few people in North Carolina, yeah, but any country. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That's perfect. That's really, really good. I really like um, this and the mission with that and money with mission, we're always trying to figure out how to, how is that to have a social impact? If people can buy, the, if a doctor can buy a building or a medical practice can have a building in a place where there's an underserved community, that's a, a win for them because now they own some property and asset and have a place for those people under that underserved community to come and get the medical care they need keep them out of an emergency room because we know how much that costs <laughs> and get, get the care, get the yeah. real care. So there's, 
there's a real need for this kind of thing. So more of us owning our own practices, owning our own, not just our practice, our real estate. That's a good way to me to get into real estate. If you would, you own your own house, you're going to live in it. You know what that's going to look like. Own your own medical building, own your own building where you're going to practice and get a big one so that you can now put some other people in there and make some rent from that. Now you're in, now this is a good thing. This is an amazing thing for your portfolio. We had on the show a while ago, Dr. Burns, who actually owned, built, developed a hospital, got, and they ran it. Now they're out of it, but they still own the real estate. So they're, I mean, that's just, just perfect. Now somebody's got, got a long-term tenant in there. They own this real asset. You guys know what I mean by a real asset. I know you do. Not the paper, not the stock stuff that we don't have no clue what the heck that is. Um, but you could drive by your building. That's real. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't thought about that before, think about it now. If you don't want to own your own building because you're employed, somebody does. And there's going to become a time very soon with Trisha where you'll be able to connect with those folks and help them own their own building. Now you put that asset into your portfolio. This is a win, 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 guys. So don't don't ignore this. Trisha, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so my website's the same name as my company, docproperties.com. There is phone number, email, um, but you can click and on um, schedule a call and you can schedule a call with me for to talk to me about what you're you're wanting to do and I can help you from there. Okay, so if somebody's looking to do start doing the investing, be a passive investor, are you wanting them to call and get on your list now or is there another way for them to keep they track can, of what's going on. Yeah. So they can email um, their it's info at docproperties.com and, and we're, we're keeping a list. Um, but I have, you know, I have my a podcast as well. There's a link to it again on my website. In the meantime, if they want to just sort of continue to understand, um, you know what, that there's a lot of investors that I've interviewed. So it, it, lets them know what they're looking for in the market, you mm-hmm. know, for, for properties. I've interviewed physician owners. So you can see, you know, some other physicians that have had um, success stories or not so successful stories. Um, so we've talked through a few of those. Um, and What's the name of your podcast? It's called Providers, Properties, and Performance. Perfect. So Providers, Properties, and Performance is Trisha's podcast. I'm sure it's on all the platforms, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find that. And Trisha writes, there's blogs, there's so much information on her site about owning your own medical properties. So check it out. Everything's going to be in the show notes. I know nobody's sitting at their computer writing all this stuff down. That's why I just get my website instead of all the details because then to Google it and and when they, when they're not driving. (laughs) Docproperties.com. Easy, easy, easy. Docproperties.com. You can do that. Remember to give your money a mission. Trisha, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Felicia. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.